All right, hello everyone, and welcome back to another edition of The Less Stressed Life, where we teach exhausted and burnt out adults the truth about adrenal fatigue so that they can get their health back quickly. And today I'm joined by Dr. Tabitha Barber, who's devoted her life to giving women a voice and choice when it comes to their health and well being. As a young girl, she struggled with self esteem and identity issues. She dealt with peer pressure and survived the ridicule and stigma of becoming a teenage mother. As she shared in her first published book titled From White trash to white coat, the birth of Catherine's purpose, those events led Tabitha to finding her purpose in life. With perseverance and grace, she was able to redirect her path in life and become a successful physician. Dr. Tabitha Barber is triple board certified in obstetric, obstetrics and gynecology, menopause, and functional medicine. She cares for women one-on-one one -on -one in her clinic as a functional gynecologist and is the creator of the host and host of the Functional Gynecologist podcast, where she shares her wisdom and knowledge with women everywhere to reclaim their health. She's a keynote speaker, clinical instructor, mentor, medical director, wife, mom, and even grandma. By incorporating functional medicine into her woman's health practice, she's able to provide women with the tools they need to optimize their health and happiness, which in turn allows those women to pursue, pursue their purpose in life. Dr. Tabitha, that's quite an intro. Welcome to our podcast today. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited for this conversation. Yeah, for sure. We were talking a little bit about what we wanted to talk about earlier before we started. And we want to talk about stress and the role that that plays on hormones and women's health, health and imbalances and obviously not feeling great. So you have your own story, though. So and you, we just kind of referred to that. But what made you want to get into that area of medicine? Yeah. So, you know, I come from this long winding path of becoming an OBGYN because of kind of the trauma I went through having my daughter as a 17 year old girl and things were done to me. There wasn't conversations. There was no informed consent. There was no choices. And it left me feeling really unsettled and I just felt like this deep desire to help women have a voice and a choice in their health and, you know, their health care. And so I got my crap together. I went back, I got my GED and I went to a community college. I wasn't really sure what I was going to do, but I knew that I needed to do something related to women's health. Um, my mother-in-law at the time was in nursing school, so I went into nursing and I was not a good student growing up, so I didn't do well in school. You know, I lived in the principal's office and in detention, and I barely passed. And when I got into the community college, I was excited and I had, you know, a reason to be there. And I was getting four points. And I was like, why am I doing so well in school? Why is this so easy for me now? And it's because I cared and I was paying attention. I was doing the work. And, you know, it wasn't that I was dumb growing up. I just wasn't interested in school. And so all of a sudden I realized like, hey, maybe I can do bigger things. And I said to one of my professors, I would love to be the doctor instead of the nurse. I would love to be the one making the decisions and helping women with their choices and not just carrying out orders. 
And he looked at me and he said, you can totally be a doctor. And that was a very defining moment for me, right? Like, what? I can be a doctor? Seriously? And he completely believed in me. And that changed the whole trajectory of my life. And so from that moment on, I was like, wow, I'm going to be a doctor. And I didn't let anything stop me. (laughs) So unfortunately, becoming a doctor is one of the worst possible things you can ever do for your health. (laughs) It's like extremely hypocritical how we work 120 hours a week, we work sleep deprived, we live on garbage and junk food, we eat while we're walking to our next patient or to the OR. You know, we don't take care of ourselves because we are committed to taking care of everyone else. And So I spent the next decade destroying myself for my patients, and that taught me a much bigger lesson in the end. (laughs) Yeah, well, we have a lot of common in in that story, and thank you for sharing it. It, it, You have to have a little bit of humility to be vulnerable and explain that. And same thing for me. I, I didn't realize that I, I wasn't as smart as I, I knew I could be until I started caring. Yeah. And I, I always say like, you kind of either go out of your way to do well, or you go out of your way to do poorly. And I think that's resonating with a lot of things in health. I mean, you go out of your way to be unhealthy, or you go out of your way to be and when I say I went out of my way, I missed classes because they were early and when you're 18 and 19 away from home for the first time and there's no one to tell you to go to bed and you're going to the pubs and the class whatever right I mean I went out of my way to miss those classes I went out of my way to not get the notes and study the notes and I went out of my way to do poorly so that's an, an amazing lesson that you have and then the other lesson was as far as having someone else believe in you and and have that resonate and really hit home and make you realize that you're capable of doing things. I guess this isn't really what I was going to head towards, but how much does that now in terms of the mindset and believing in yourself and going out of your way to do things that are proactive versus going out of your way to not do those things? How much does that impact your what you teach your your in your clinic and what you teach with your courses and what you resonate with your with your just your mission? It totally aligns with all of it. And I think of it often because I had to make a huge pivot when, you know, being a traditional doctor was destroying my health. I was so sleep deprived and I was, you know, doing surgery without sleep, catching babies all night, seeing patients every 15 minutes, not really helping them, you know, just getting them through the door and making them feel okay until their next appointment, but I wasn't creating health. I wasn't doing what I felt like I was put on this earth to do. And, you know, it came to a head in a few different ways. My periods got super heavy, you know, all of a sudden I couldn't manage my own periods as a gynecologist. How embarrassing is that? You know, the two tools that I have pills and surgery weren't cutting it. And so I was dealing with that issue. And then I was also dealing with chronic back pain and a herniated ruptured disc. And so I went down the surgery path. I had surgery. It didn't heal me. And what happened was I went back after my six week recovery, I was on call and I re-injured my back. And I said, 
something has got to change. I have to pivot big time. And that's when I realized I can do whatever I want when I set my mind to it. And you, you have to take control of your life. You have to make those hard decisions. I gave up my cushy salary job with my 401k and my health insurance and my thousands of patients who absolutely adored me being their obstetrician because I needed to save myself and I needed to serve my patients in a way that actually brought them back to health. And so I left that job and it was scary, but you have to do the hard stuff in life. You have to look fear in the face and just say, I know that this is going to work out and I'm going to do it. And honestly, what it came down to was my life was a ball of stress, Dr. Joel. Like I was living maxed out adrenal glands pumping 24 seven. Like I was living on that cortisol and adrenaline. You know, I wasn't living on sleep or any nutritious food. My relationships were suffering. Like everything was going downhill and I needed to get control of it. I needed to set boundaries. I needed to take back my choices for my life and stop letting life just take control of me. And so it was a big shift. And that was about two years ago. And it has been, you know, transformative. It's been amazing. I'm now spending time with my patients, right? We sit down for an hour, hour and a half, and I help guide them back to the health that they should be in. I help get their bodies back into balance. It's not like, here's another pill. Let's sign you up for surgery and get rid of the symptom. You know, we mask the symptom in conventional medicine because that we think that's how we treat patients, but all we're doing is not getting to the root of the issue and the issue is gonna pop up somewhere else. It's like whack-a-mole, right? You whack that mole, it comes up somewhere else. And we really need to get rid of the mole <laughs> instead of just keep whacking it, right? Yeah, no, awesome information. And I, I like the idea of what I teach a lot with people where my psychology background came into play was the, the incongruency between your behavior and how you feel on the inside. They don't match. And that's called dissonance. So if I am helping other people be healthy, but I myself am not being healthy, that's a dissonance and that's mm -hmm. going to create some kind of turmoil. So I can do one of two things. I can either just not help people and help them be healthy because I'm not healthy and they are aligned now, or I can then change my, my behavior so that I'm also healthy as well as what I do so that they're congruent. And you did that. And I think it's a big part of healing because you are getting rid of that internal stress, but at the same time, it, it, it's not it's not easy, right? It's a vulnerable right. position to look yourself in the mirror instead of from the 30,000 view foot and understand your flaws and harness that uh, as a motivating factor to ultimately get yourself better. So kudos to you for doing that. So I'm curious to know from a conventional medicine point of view, because the term adrenal fatigue is really a controversial, well, not so much, a, I wouldn't say it's a controversial term, it's a crappy term. And yeah. the name of yeah. my website is called The Truth About Adrenal Fatigue, because quite frankly, it goes so much deeper than 
the adrenals not being fatigued and still outputting cortisol. And people like to replace that with the HPA axis because that gives a better detail of what's happening. But I even feel the HPA axis is not a suitable term either because it's a mitochondrial based fatigue and there's cell danger and there's changes that happen in the body and your immune system, your nervous system, your endocrine system, your respiratory system, all of your systems are functioning together and coordinating the response. And the APA axis is just playing a role in that. It's not the main thing. So with that being said, what's, what's your uh, take on adrenal fatigue? If clients come to see you and we'll transition into female and hormonal imbalances and so forth, but what's your take on that Tabitha? So I will tell you about six or seven years ago, I don't remember when, but I had a patient come into my office and say, I think I have adrenal fatigue. Do you think that's what's wrong with me? And I had no idea what the heck she was talking about. I had never heard the term, you know, when you are a conventional doctor, you're in your little world. You don't have time to, you know, look outside and read anything else or learn anything else. You're just kind of in this bubble. And I was really blown away by like, what is she talking about? Why does she know something that I have nothing, I don't know anything about? And so I started studying and I started learning. And I realized that a lot of my colleagues just shut it down, you know, that's crap. We don't talk, you know, that doesn't exist. And they didn't question it and they didn't want to learn anything new. And I think you have to be a lifelong learner. As soon as you think you know it all, you're going to fail your patient, right? Like there's always new evidence coming out. There's new theories and new ideas. And I'm sorry, but I completely think the adrenal glands are extremely important, especially in women's health. They play so much off of your sex hormones and your insulin and blood sugar and your thyroid. They all ping back and forth and affect each other. You know, our systems are not compartmentalized. They're not functioning in silos. They are all connected and affecting one another. And so you know, I deal with estrogen dominance on a regular basis. Like I see a day in and day out. I see women in their forties who are professionals. They are crushing it in their job. They have children that they're raising. They're trying to keep their marriage happy and alive. You know, they're doing all this, all the things they're hanging out with their girlfriends, having cocktails. They're trying to exercise and look good and stay young and healthy. And when we do all of that stressful stuff all day long, we pump out the cortisol way more than we're supposed to as a human being to get us through, to give us the energy to make that happen. And what women don't realize is every time you pump out the cortisol because you're pissed off about some email you opened or your kid got in trouble at school or you're fighting with your husband, like then your body has to make sugar from its liver and put that out in the bloodstream because it thinks it's you're going to fight or run in this situation. It's just, you know, that's how our bodies were created. And then insulin has to be pumped out from the pancreas to go handle that sugar and either use it as energy or store it as fat. And all of a sudden women are gaining belly fat, you know, it's from the stress, the stress elevates your blood sugar. It makes you store that as fat. It's all related. 
you know, and then it steals your progesterone. Progesterone is one of the main ingredients to make cortisol. And so every time you make cortisol inappropriately, you're stealing your beautiful balancing progesterone that you need. And so estrogen starts to dominate. You start having heavy periods, PMS, headaches. You're ripping your husband's head off because you're so irritable. You have no fuse left. That is all being driven by your excess cortisol production. And as soon as women realize that they need to get control of their cortisol production, they can shift everything that they're feeling and everything that's going on. So I don't care what you call it, you know, adrenal fatigue's the extreme end version of that, where you pump out the cortisol nonstop. And eventually you get to the point where your body starts to protect you and say, we're not doing that anymore. We're done with you crying wolf. We're not going to pump out the cortisol. And it pumps the brakes and you don't make cortisol, then you're not wanting to get out of bed. You don't want to exercise in the morning anymore. You don't want to go to work. You don't even want to take care of your kids. And it's a real thing. And I see it all day, every day. So I don't care what medicine wants to call it, but it's real. You know, it's a breath of fresh air, and I'm sure we can have a podcast about how your colleagues receive you on that. But you know, the thing that's very frustrating to me, because I'm from a traditional family, I call myself the, the black sheep holistic guy. I have a sister who's a GP, and my uncle's a, a dermatologist, and my cousin, first cousin's a trauma surgeon, and I'm the holistic, you know, black sheep member of the family. And uh the thing that upsets me the most, I would even say go as far as say it pisses me off is the, the dogmatic approach of, well, we don't have time to learn. And I, I, I do recognize when you become a physician, you spend a lot, you, 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 you trade in your health, like you said, to get through all those long hours. And um, it, it can be quite re rewarding financially, but as far as you're overworked, a lot of the times you're incongruent, you have that dissonance yourself and you're, you're unhealthy, yet you're making recommendations. But the thing that upsets me so much is the dogmatic approach, like, no, that's wrong, or it's black or white, like either right. you have insufficiency or you don't, and there's no shades of gray. And then to make matters worse and rub salt into the wounds, it's more of, well, you're, you're, you're a, symptom, a symptom magnifier, you're a difficult patient, you're you know, one of those type of clients that look on the internet and you're just difficult. And you know what, I'd want you really out of my office as quick as I possibly can. And I'm gonna refer you to therapeutic support for, for depression and anxiety. And, to me, that's the part that I feel is in violation of the Hippocratic Oath. It, it, it is because you're committing errors, whether it's uh, omission or, you know, uh, commission, you're making judgments with lack of knowledge and that's ignorance. Right. And it's very frustrating. So it's, it's a breath, breath of fresh, fresh to hear that from you. So now you kind of opened up the, 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 the rabbit hole of how stress impacts hormones, especially for estrogen dominance and the role that progesterone plays in the steroid cycle to produce cortisol. 
So why don't we just sort of make that a really easy connection for a woman who's maybe in her perimenopausal years, or she's even younger, and we're seeing those signs a lot earlier, mm -hmm. and they are having these hormonal imbalances. Take us through the, the ABCs of what happens to those hormones and how they become imbalanced or what the typical trends look like when it's secondary to all the spinning plates you were mentioning of balancing stress and work and life and everything else in between. Yeah, so normally we should be having a nice gradual rise of estrogen early in our cycle. And then we, you know, have a response from our brain and our brain and ovaries keep talking back and forth all of the time. And our brain says, okay, the estrogen level was high enough. Let's ovulate an egg. Let's release an egg. And the egg gets released and the area in the ovary where the egg was released starts producing progesterone. And that goes up nicely in a gradual fashion and then comes back down along with estrogen. And when they get low enough, then you bleed and have your period. And so it's a nice balance between what the ovaries and brain are saying to each other every month. And you want to have a nice amount of estrogen and progesterone in a ratio together. And then you have testosterone in there, which helps with libido and helps with you wanting to have sex right before you ovulate so that you get pregnant. Like that's how our bodies were created. They were designed for reproduction, right? And so if you understand that cycle, you'll understand how it can get imbalanced. And so first things first, if you're doing things to prevent ovulation, which is you're impacting your estrogen so that it's either not being created enough early in the cycle or it's being created you know, in a sharp up and down fashion, it's not a smooth, nice progression, things like that, you're not going to ovulate, and then you're not going to make progesterone. And that's going to lead to either anovulation or irregular periods. So the things that mess that up are poor diet, you know, not managing your stress, like I said, that cortisol issue. And if you get into this pattern where you're consistently not ovulating, not making progesterone, excess estrogen drives a lot of bad things. Too much bad estrogen can feed breast tissue and uterine tissue and cause it causes things to grow. That's what estrogen does. And progesterone is kind of like the tamer, it keeps it from growing too much. It keeps it balanced. So you don't wanna be imbalanced. Too much estrogen earlier in life looks like endometriosis and fibroids, right? Breast pain, fibrocystic breasts, all that stuff is growing because estrogen is feeding it and there's no progesterone like the weed killer to keep it tamed. So that's what you're getting. And then you get later, maybe you start to or you stop ovulating consistently because you're running out of eggs. That's a natural progression into perimenopause, but you can get too much estrogen in that situation when you're overstressed again. And that looks like heavy periods for women. You know, I was trained conventionally that you just get heavy periods in your forties and then you stop having them in your fifties. 
there wasn't a lot of explanation as to why and how we can mitigate that. You don't have to have heavy periods in your 40s. That is a myth. You do not have to have raging PMS. Women were not designed to be miserable you know, two to three weeks out of every month. That's not how our bodies were designed, but that's what society has trained us to believe. They've trained us to believe that periods are supposed to be miserable and, you know, we should do whatever we can to get rid of them. That menopause turns you into this evil woman and it just doesn't have to be that way. Yeah, great, great answer. And I think about, because I do a lot of, uh, genetic testing and and the same dogmatic approach from conventional trained doctors of well MTHFR all you need to do is take methylfolate and I want to poke my eyes out when I hear that because not only is it so reductionistic there are so many other what I really love the genetic components for Tabitha is the fact that it helps us build the roadmap and it helps us understand the epigenetic or all of the environmental things that could overlap with people that have these bigger genetic potentials, whether they have them or not is kind of irrelevant because you have these epigenetic inhibitors that can do so many things, damage to the body. And as you look in deep detail with that, like you think about estrogen disruptors and plastics in the water sources and how that will feed to everything that you were just talking about. And then how the communication of the body works to, to, de to deal with that, where it will upregulate glutathione so you don't have DNA damage, but then your glutathione is being depleted because of the same things. And then next thing you know, you're not clearing out that estrogen effectively. And then it comes. So there's all of the, but the genetic component is really important because it can give me some ideas as to why you're going down this Plinko chip. Remember Price is Right, where you would put the thing at the top and it would go down and hopefully it would go into the big one. But it's almost like train tracks where you go from point A to point B, but if you have inflammatory responses, it switches the train tracks and you go down another pathway. So one of the genetic polymorphisms that I have, I'm not sure if you're aware of, but it's the CYP21A2, which basically what that one does is it helps to convert progesterone into cortisol. And here I am, I, I'm a, an adrenal fatigue survivor, if you will, but I didn't realize that that was a genetic potential that I have where I'm just not squeezing the sponge as much as I possibly can to get that to produce that cortisol. So the question I would have to you is, do you utilize, I know you definitely talk about environmental things and stabilizing blood sugar and the whole mindset and activity and getting rid of chemicals as much as you possibly can and getting the B vitamins as natural in your food sources. But I'm curious to know, Tabitha, how much of the genetic components are part of your, your treatment protocols or not even protocols, but your workup and your forensics, if you will, of, of assessing what's going on with, with your clients. Yeah. I mean, I think that is where medicine should go because we need to be individualized in how we care for patients and look at what's going on with them, right? Like we are all unique. We want to think we're all 
experiencing the same thing, but we're not, we're handling our estrogens differently. And I have a lot of women who really like to do the Dutch testing for hormones, the dried urine for comprehensive hormones, because you get to see what your body's doing and how it's metabolizing the sex hormones. Right. And so you see that Plinko board of estrogen and does it go down and get methylated through the liver appropriately? Is it getting, you know, hydroxylated appropriately. And so there, that is where genes come into play. If you have like a COMT snipped or something and you cannot methylate that estrogen well, and your liver cannot handle it, that can also cause estrogen backup. It's like, you know, the dam is getting backed up and your estrogens have no way to get out of your body. So they just go back into circulation and they go into forms that are not so good that like to feed bad tissue and cause cancer. So that kind of information is really important because if we just assume everybody's got the same genes activated and no mutations, then we don't know that we need to help this one person with their liver function better, you know, or something like that. So it's really important. I don't do, you know, I don't force any of my patients to do this test and that test. I give them the options. We have a discussion. I say, I don't pay your bills. These tests cost money. It's an investment in your health. It's great information. Um, a lot of patients have like their 23andMe results or their ancestry.com results. And we can download that, you know, and look at it more for um, health issues as opposed to like, who's your cousin, right? So right, right. you can, you can use basic stuff to get a fair amount of information. And there are more advanced um, genetic testings out there. I actually just did one with um, Sam Shea that he's going to interpret on me pretty soon. So that was kind of cool. Um, but I do think that's the future. I think it's really important for us to look at individuals and how are you handling your sex hormones? Like you said, you had trouble even making cortisol. That's a big deal because if we just keep saying, oh, you need to, you know, love on your adrenals and support them. Well, it's more than that, right? You need to help with this issue that you have. And so it's super important. No, it's great to hear. And it's what makes you the functional gynecologist because <laughs> it really, again, I get a lot of frustration because when you see what happens behind the curtains and, and you're aware of, the, I once had an office where it was sharing space with a restaurant. We had a shared hallway and I would never eat at that restaurant because I couldn't, like they put the potatoes in this big thing of water and it was just, oh, and when you see what's behind the scenes, it's you have more detail. And it's the same thing with the way convention. Now, don't get me wrong. Conventional medicine has a purpose and it's great when it comes time to acute based care. And, but when it's a chronic health condition and it, there's so many environmental things that overlap with that and it overlaps with the potentials that genetically may be a little wonky or cause 
a little extra load to go down the wrong pathways, um, then it's not just a matter of, hey, I'm a functional conventional doctor and I'm an anti-aging doctor. So let's just give you bioidenticals, even though like you're not clearing out that phase two of estrogen. And it, I have no idea about that. Let's just reductionistically give you this and hope for the best. So let me ask you this. I'd love to get your take on the indications or when it's appropriate from your workup when you are assessing in a functional gynecological way where you're looking at their genetics or you're considering their Dutch test, which I love. You're looking at all of their health histories and their timelines and post-traumatic stressors and really helping them educate themselves as, hey, it's just not take a pill and fix this. But when is it appropriate in your practice where you see the best values and indications for, I've done all of that, all things being equal, let's get you on some bioidenticals now? Yeah, that's a great question. So I have that conversation pretty early on because, you know, what I always say is your imbalanced sex hormones are not the cause of your problem. They are the result. They are a byproduct of something else going right. on. And so can you repeat that one more time? Yes. Sorry to interrupt you because it's so important to repeat because I think Wait, it's yeah. I think it's super important where that's a paradigm shift for not just doctors but for patients where just say it as eloquently as you did because I think it's so important to repeat again. Yeah, no, this I'm actually writing this book. Ladies, stop blaming your hormones. Their result, their imbalance is the result, not the cause of your issue. So that being said, we can give you hormones to help give you an early win and help you maybe feel better to go on and do that bigger work. But if you don't deal with your adrenals, your thyroid and your sugar, those hormones aren't going to work for very long. You're going to be back in my office in three months feeling the same way because the hormone issue is not your problem. That is a result. That is another symptom. And so I will go either way. I will say to my patients, we can get an early win by giving you this testosterone because you're at like 0, 0.0, right? Like you got nothing. Or we can support your adrenal glands. We can give you DHEA. We can give you progesterone to help you sleep if that's what it takes for you to start doing the work, like having enough energy to prep your food and cook real food, to go out and to move your body every day, to do the yoga or whatever it takes. So I, I, I work in a more conservative area. And honestly, most women don't go for the hormones right away. They want to do the work. And I appreciate that. And I love that. So I don't do a lot of bioidentical hormones just because people want to get to the root cause and they want to balance their hormones naturally. That being said, a woman going through perimenopause during that transition, sometimes it helps make a smoother transition, but you got to do the work. Like I'm just not in the business of chasing lab values and you know, changing your hormone levels and giving you different prescriptions every three months because you're not doing what it takes to feel better. You know, it's, it's not going to work. It's just a temporary band-aid. 
Yeah, and I love that about traditional conventional medicine is as you go deep down the pathways as the doctor and you see objective testing that tells you in real time where you are and you put your doctor hat and ask the questions and spend the necessary time and, and help the decision with the patient to come up as a, hey, what fits your lifestyle? What fits where you are right now? And having that knowledge to understand the way to go, having the tools of the, of the prescriptives or the bioidenticals to, I guess, if you want biohack or at least data track and use that much more effectively provided it's not a set it and forget it. See you later. Let's not worry about your, le your levels of stress. Have as much modified, you know, corn syrup as you want. And, you know, you got to talk about all of those things. So I, I love what you're talking about. Uh, sadly, Tabitha, I had a client that I was talking to the other day and she had a hysterectomy, full hysterectomy. And there was no, she actually had ovarian cancer and endometrial cancer, and there was no discussion whatsoever of, of the game plan afterwards. And I think that's so sad. And she felt bad. She felt she, her self-esteem was low, which was contributed to, I'm sure, the fact that her hormones are low now, right? Um, plus on top of whatever stressors post-traumatically she's had. And she was blaming herself for asking me these questions that no one ever told her about. And I said, first of all, you need to stop blaming yourself. It's not your, you're not the doctor. Doctors need to tell you like, okay, this is what we've done. This is our game plan. And I, I told her equally important is figure out what went wrong, like the cancer didn't just fall out of the sky and hit you on the female reproductive system on the way down, right? So removing it is, is, is a therapeutic strategy, but why did it get there in the first place is, should be on the doctor's radar and, and subsequently, okay, what do we do now that we radically took this out of there? Um, so would you say at that point that might be more indicated for someone who've had those removals and the hysterectomies, whether they're full or partial, um, what's your feeling on the necessity for, supplementing or bioidentical hormones for those demographics? So more importantly, what I want to share is it's really important to still figure out what's going on hormonally. So she's probably making a lot less hormones because she has their ovaries removed, but your adrenal glands, your fat cells, they still do make some testosterone and estrogen. And so this is a common scenario I see. Women have heavy periods. They go to the gynecologist. They get an ablation where we burn the lining inside the uterus so that you're, you don't bleed anymore. You either have much lighter periods or no periods. And then you go into menopause. And that is the fix, right? Five, 10 years down the line, these same women who had the ablation for heavy periods now come to me with breast cancer because we didn't fix the estrogen dominance. We didn't take care of that hormone imbalance. We just hid the symptom of our body screaming, hey, something's wrong, something's going on, please pay attention to me. And so Unfortunately, I see this scenario all the time. Either they had an ablation or a hysterectomy. I'm all good. My doctor fixed me, but now I have breast cancer, right? Not cool. Not cool at all. And so 
even if you got rid of that nagging symptom, you still need to know what your hormones are doing. It's super important. And like you said, cancer doesn't come out of nowhere. Things don't just happen overnight. You know, I like to think of diabetes. It's a prime example. Like we are trained that if your hemoglobin A1C, your average blood sugar is 5.6, you're fine. You're good. We'll see you in a year. 5.7, you have prediabetes and, you know, you probably, you know, should have that rechecked in six months, six months later, you have diabetes. There's no discussion about, Hey, it took you five to seven years to get down this path. Let's reverse it and go the other direction. So you don't get diabetes. Things don't just happen overnight. You don't wake up one day with diabetes. You don't wake up one day with ovarian cancer, right? That's not how it works or breast cancer. Things develop over time. Your body is trying ridiculously hard to counteract and stay in balance and combat all that crap that's going on. It doesn't want to grow crazy abnormal cells. It doesn't want to grow cancer and have diabetes it wants to be balanced, but we just keep ignoring all the symptoms. We keep ignoring all the signals from our body year after year after year until we finally have a diagnosis that we can take care of, you know? And so I want to shift that to be, we need to get you before you get the diagnosis and we need to turn you around and send you the other direction. Like that's all there is to it. Awesome stuff. Like that's the mic drop in terms of, you know, and I, I think that's where pharmaceutical companies and insurance policy makers have to get on board because ultimately insurance companies should get on board on that. And that's a whole other topic. But if you can save insurance companies are all about saving money. And so if I can save money by getting you healthier, why would we not have inundations and, 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 certain policies that uh, encourage that so that we can spend a little bit money on the front end, but save a mass amount on the back end. Number one, it also implies that the approach to, to that's why you're the functional gynecologist, but the approach to healthcare is, hey, we're not waiting for you to get an F on the grade here. We see a D, we see a C plus, and that's where we need to intervene now. And that's a huge paradigm shift as well. So kudos for you for, for, for thinking that. And the other thing I would say lastly is, if you're going in, if you're listening to this podcast and you're going in because you're getting excessive bleeding and they want to do an ablation or you have fibroids or endometriosis and, and they want to take care of it with a radical procedure, then make sure that A, doesn't get to that point in the first place and you have a functional gynecologist to see the warning signs. Um, but at the same time, ask the question, why did I get here? How did I get here? Yes. And what do I need to do in conjunction of what I just did radically to support, you know, I had, I used to do a lot of thyroid workshops and I had a client one time say, Hey, can I come to your workshop? I, I got my thyroid removed. I said, you still have your immune system? She said, yep. I said, well, come on into the workshop because that was one of the main reasons that you had to have that thyroid removed amongst other things. So to come up with a plan of why did you get here in the first place? And how do we give you commensurate 
recommendations now that we've done these things. So awesome to hear these things. Another question I had, if it's okay, if I ask yeah. you, with 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 a lot of the clients that I work with, um, they, there is a certain demographic that have had hormonal imbalances from females from a, from a young age, um, irregular bleeding. So they were put on birth control and they were on it for so many years. Can you kind of get go down that rabbit hole as to what the doctor is thinking with doing it in that approach, um, what the longer term consequences could be and what alternatives would be for that type of female that's presenting like that? Yeah. So, you know, the thought is if you're not making your hormones appropriately, you are showing up with hormone imbalance, irregular periods, things like that. We put you on birth control pill because it's a synthetic form of hormone to mimic your own cycle. But it's, and what they found over the years was some women got rid of their acne. Some women had less PMS symptoms, but some women have worse acne and worse PMS. So everybody responds differently. But what happens is that communication between your brain and your ovaries is shut down. There is no longer a communication going on. You are not making your own hormones. You are taking synthetic hormones. And unfortunately, if you take it long enough, a lot of times that communication never comes back online when you go off of the pill. And so you got a woman on birth control starting at age 14 or 15 because her periods are a little irregular and she's got some acne because she eats junk food. Well, that's a whole nother story. She gets on the pill, you know, 10, 15 years later, she wants to have babies. She goes off and there's no period. And well, how come? What's the problem? Because the ovaries in the brain haven't talked for over a decade they need some guidance, they need some help, they might never talk again. And so that can be really discouraging for women, right? And it can also push an imbalance toward too much testosterone, it can damage your gut health and cause dysbiosis and lead to insulin resistance. We've seen PCOS develop from being on birth control pills. You know, what conventional doctors are taught is that it, there's no harm in this and it hasn't been linked to breast cancer and it probably decreases your risk of ovarian cancer. So it's all good and all women should be on it. That Those are kind of the blanket statements by our societies, ACOG, you know, American College of OBGYNs. And so that's how gynecologists practice. And I will tell you, the rates of breast cancer have gone up in the past few decades, and there are more and more women on birth control pills. Just because we don't have a study evaluating it directly doesn't mean it's not causing it. I'm not saying it does, but I would venture to say synthetic hormones in menopausal women cause cancer. Why wouldn't they in premenopausal women? So that's my, my little nervousness. Having said that, I am in favor of birth control, right? If I would have had more babies after my 17-year-old pregnancy, I don't know that I could have become a physician very easily. So I am all for women having a choice and making that decision. If they want to use that for birth control, more power to them. That should be available. 
but I want you to know what you're getting into in the long run and what possible consequences might happen from it. Hey, there's other options that don't cut down that communication between your brain and ovary. Let's talk about other options, right? Yeah, well, you know, it's it's an important point that you make in terms of communication runs you at the cellular level and it runs your relationships at the 30,000 view foot level, right? I mean, if you're not communicating with your spouse or your kids or your colleagues or your parents and there's a breakdown, then there's going to be turmoil and there's going to be miscommunication. And the same thing happens at the cellular level where that pituitary is sedated and it's already sedated with cytokines and inflammation and blood sugar imbalances. And again, coming up with the repetitive theme of, okay, if you're having irregular periods at this young age, let's figure out why and address that and blood sugar comes up. And actually what's coming up now, which is scary is Wi-Fi. It's really 5G, I'm sure you're aware of, which, yeah. you know, they sleep with their phone underneath their head with not in airplane mode and every little notification, their Pavlovian dog reflexive answering that text and eating sugary foods and not having a protein or, or fat to be seen. And, you know, well, let's just put you on a birth control. Now, again, if if you're if you're discussing the other things and it's it's symptomatically painful and it's disruptive to your life and you need to as you said earlier buy some time and get some early wins then let's do this or for whatever other but let's not ignore or neglect the physiology that led to this in the first place so we can synergistically do healthy things at the same time and that's what I think the beauty of medicine is, is headed towards as well, where we can harness these interventions pharmaceutically to biohack the body and do it short term wise as well, like, like metformin and other AMPK, a lot of other things, lots of other things. So awesome information. I, I can see why your patients must love you and why you're the functional gynecologist. So tell us a little bit about um, how we get in contact with you if, if this resonates with our listeners and they're looking for someone. Do you work with people distantly? Um, tell us a little bit about your private practice and how to get in contact with you. Oh, yeah. Thanks, Dr. Joel. So I'm licensed in over half of the country. I can see patients and be your physician in many, many states. The states I'm not licensed in, I can at least um, act as your coach and give you guidance and really delve into the issues that you need to handle. I just can't necessarily give you your thyroid medication, that kind of thing. But don't hesitate to reach out for, to me because we can help you for sure. So I recommend women go to my website, www.drtabitha.com. It's three A's, T-A-B-A-T-H-A. And, you know, reach out to me, email me, call the office and see if we can work together. I do a group program a few times a year where it's a seven week you know, program, we get you hormonally balanced by getting you eating the right foods, incorporating intermittent fasting, healing your gut, managing your stressors, dealing with all your emotional baggage, all that stuff. So that is called the renew you seven week challenge. That's pretty amazing. And it's a sisterhood of women who do it together. We lift each other up. We support each other through it. It's an awesome course. Um, and then you can 
listen to my podcast, The Functional Gynecologist, right? And I always have awesome guests like Dr. Joel. We talk about anything and everything that relates to women's health because women just need to hear the information. They need to know that there's an alternative to the pill and the surgery. You know, there are other options. You just need to know about them. So yeah, definitely check me out or Facebook, Instagram, Dr. Tabitha. That's awesome information. So in parting, I always ask my guest, Tabitha, so with your knowledge and your sage wisdom now that you've acquired over your trials and tribulations and continuing to search for answers and having a purpose-driven mission to help women that aren't being heard, what would you have told the younger, I call it bright-eyed and bushy-tailed Tabitha that you didn't know then that you know now that would have helped your stress response, would have helped you adapt quicker, or even just any information that would have helped you from a health standpoint? Yeah. So I would have put my oxygen mask on before I put others on. I would have taken care of myself first and foremost from the get-go before my patients, as hard as that was from is for me to swallow i have to take care of me before i can take care of the people that i love because you cannot fill from an empty cup it's a good point we have a lot in common in that regards too i think that a lot of the times we are the shoemakers with massive holes in our shoes <laughs> and we uh, are so busy working on other people's holes, no matter what, even if we're doing it from a functional standpoint, we always have to be reminded that self-care is, if it's not help, if it's not happening first, it is selfish, right? I mean, because if you're not able to put your oxygen mask on yourself, you can't help other people. And I find that a lot of people in the holistic area or people, you probably have this as well, where clients that you work with, uh, they've been through so much and so many doctors and the journey has been so arduous and yeah. long, but they really like and love and embrace the new concepts that they themselves now go on and help other people in different capacities based on their own hero's journey. And I think the thing to remind them about is always, 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 and that's talking to you and to me, uh, is always take care of yourself first. It's not selfish. I mean, they say pay yourself first, put the oxygen mask on yourself first, fix the holes in your shoes first. And I think a lot of people that are exhausted and burnt out or having hormone imbalances in a lot of ways, they are those over empathetic clients that have that predisposition to be caring and helping people. Do you find that as well? Oh, yeah, that, you know, they say yes to everybody else, because they want to make people happy. They want their people pleaser. And that's okay. That's a beautiful thing that you know, you're like that you have a huge heart. But it's going to kill you in the end. It's going to deplete you. So you have to give yourself as much grace as you'd give somebody else and give to yourself. It's just as important. Awesome. And so, and then I think you mentioned too a way for them to get a hold of your book. Where would they go to do that? Oh, yeah. So it's on Amazon, you know, or Barnes and Noble, but you can get it off my website as well. So if they want to check that out, that's fun. It's, it's an inspirational autobiography. Like I just want to share my story because I think it inspires people to remember that they are capable of going for their dreams and doing what they want to do. And 
whatever roadblocks there are, there's always a way around, you know? So I just want to inspire women like, Hey, you can do this. It, it, I, I did a, and it was rough, so you can do it too. Well, you have integrity in that sense. Like you're not just telling other women to walk the walk when you haven't done it yourself, right? So that's, that's great. As far as, did you mention also that you have a new book coming out or you're working on another book? I, I am. It's, I'll, I'll come back on when it comes out. Yeah, we'll, we'll, yeah, all right. That's great. Well, we will have you back on. I love to have that open invitation for our guests because I know like yourself, I'm sure whatever, whenever I, you know, six months or, or later, I always say anyone that I've consulted with six months or later, I would love to talk to you again, because so much has changed in terms of the research we know, in terms of practice, like we talked about earlier, where practice is, you don't know it all, as soon as you feel you know it all, you probably are in big problems with not knowing it all. And ultimately, practice continues to make perfect. And we have these clinical nuggets and tools of the trade that we find aha moments like, oh my gosh, I'm connecting these dots all the time. So would love to keep that invitation open and just want to thank you for your time today and, uh, and, and just commend you on all the hard work and dedication and the taking the not easy role, Tabitha, in terms of it's not easy to, to shine the light on yourself. It's not easy to shine the light on the, the faults and the, and the flaws of conventional medicine and take the, the uh, criticism and being uh, vulnerable to your colleagues and just continue to hold that mission-driven purpose because it's, it sure is going noticed. So thank you so much for all, your, yeah, all you do. Welcome. Thank you so much. And for your listeners, I do have a free guide. It's called the Functional Gynecologist Guide to Balancing Your Hormones Naturally. So if you can throw the link in there for them, that would be awesome. I okay, great. I will. Start I will. Yes, awesome. All right. Well, you have a good rest of your day, Tabitha, and we'll catch up soon. Thank you. Take care. Bye. Thanks for tuning into today's show. If you like what you've heard and you're interested to see if you're a good fit to work with our Adrenal Awakening program, here's what to do next. Head to adrenalfatiguesociety.com forward slash apply and book an appointment to speak to our team. Here's how it works. We'll get on the phone for about 45 minutes and get you crystal clear on three things. Number one, where exactly do you want to be with your health and where are you now? Number two, what are the genetic components that haven't been discovered that are impacting your health? And number three, what are the environmental triggers that may be overlapping with these genetic components keeping you from getting optimal health? Remember, getting your energy back just won't happen by itself. You need expert guidance to make that happen. We've helped clients all over the world transform their lives, quadruple their energy, and fix their metabolism and make the world a better place. To see if you can do the same thing, head to adrenalfatiguesociety.com forward slash apply. I'm Dr. Richard Joel Rosen, and we'll talk to you soon.